You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. It is without a doubt that women are the keepers of medicine. I'm TK, your guide to the past as we uncover the people, events, and little-known facts hidden in the shadows of your old history textbooks. From empress baddies to activist profiles, turkey gods and the history of the toothbrush, tattoos, Pompeii peepees, and everything in between, you can find it all here. There's no telling how far we'll dig or how many historical facts we'll re-examine. No event is too small and no topic is too big because this is for the love of history. Hello, 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 my friends. Welcome to episode 41. I am TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. Right at the top, I'm just going to get this out of the way. If you enjoy this podcast and want others to enjoy it as well, give a little rate, review, a share, you know, something. Share this or any episode with your friend, your family, or your male person. Whoever you want to, just share it. Word of mouth and recommendations from people you know is the number one way that podcasts spread. I'm sure that there's some, like, fancy statistic for this, but I don't know what it is. But I'm sure it's very high. But I digress. In today's episode, we are going back to Hawaii, but not to talk about tattoos or body modification. Nay, nay. This time, dear friend, we are talking about the history of ancient surfing and the myth and true stories of Hawaii's surfing medicine women. And I'm not going to lie, this episode took a bit of a topic turn, but it's still going to be super duper interesting. So without further ado, grab your goggles and the nearest pool floaty and let's get to it. When I was sent this initial article that inspired this episode, I thought we were going to be talking about medicine women in pre-contact Hawaii exclusively. And then I started to do more research and I realized I had to cover the history of surfing because it's just so cool and you really can't talk about medicine and religious practices of pre-colonized Hawaii without surfing. It's kind of a big deal. So let's start from the beginning, shall we, my friend? And that beginning is about 1,700 years ago in the 4th century. Human beings were kind of roaming around looking for chill places to live and a group of people stumbled upon the Polynesian Islands, which would be known as modern-day New Guinea, Oakland Islands, Bora Bora, Tahiti, and Hawaii, just to name a few. So when these human beings found these islands, they were like, damn, these places are pretty sweet, so we should just like stay here and stay they did. They split off into different groups, creating their own unique cultures and customs, but also sharing a lot of stuff. For example, food, housing, and tattoos, you know, which we covered from a few episodes back. It was super fun. If you haven't listened to it yet, go. Go listen to it. 
And they also shared surfing. Evidence of surfing can be found all over the Polynesian islands and even up in Peru and over in South Africa. But Hawaii really had a special connection with surfing. And surfing was a part of daily life. Courting, romance, ceremonies, mythology, and religion. Everyone surfed. No matter their gender or social status. Even the gods surfed. Some places were reserved only for royalty, but... That was about the only restrictions that were on surfing. At this point in Hawaiian history, he'enalu, which is the Hawaiian word for surfing, was much more a religion than it was a sport or leisure activity. In fact, it, it totally was a part of their religion and continues to be for Hawaiians that are still practicing today. Even before any board hit the water, there were rituals and routines that must be observed. Fish would be placed at the base of sacred koa or willy-willy trees before they cut them down to make the boards as a sacrifice for that tree's soul. Kind of like a thank you. And all throughout the process, the craftsmen would have various prayers and give religious offerings with the assistance of a kahuna, a.k.a. an expert priest. When creating boards for royalty, even more care and ceremony was observed. Observed. We'll, I'll leave a wheel. Who is this we? I talk about this we, but it's not a we. It's just a me sitting here. <laughs> I will leave a picture on Instagram to show you the progression of surfboards and also the special royal boards called the Olo. But I'll describe it a little bit to you now because it's just super cool and uh, I want to. So, Olos were exclusively for royalty and they were really mega large. Typically 15 to 20 feet or 5 to 6 meters tall. Um, and they were 2 feet wide or 60 centimeters wide. And the board was heavy. 150 pounds and it was really not maneuverable at all in the water you had to be one badass person to surf this thing but the creation of boards wasn't the only religious aspect of surfing in pre-colonization hawaii heiau or temples were constructed throughout the islands in dedication to various essential aspects of life healing, growing, rain, safe voyaging, and some were even dedicated to, you guessed it, surfing. These temples were built on top of like bluffs for wave riders to watch the surf below and to pray for favorable, favorable, favorable conditions. And just like a little, little side note, surfing was so important to early Hawaiians that it was forbidden to work or even like have war during prime surfing season which is like it's a fun fact it's a cool fact i like it and another fact is humans weren't the only ones surfing up a storm in hawaii gods and goddesses were hanging 10 on the daily as well damn that was a good segue, right? Right? I know you agree. <laughs> but I'm super serious. According to Hawaiian folklore, 
Surfing was brought to the world through the god Kamo Ahale, who is a guardian shark god. And boy, let me tell you, the fan art of this dude is so cool looking. I'm going to, of course, put a picture of him up on Instagram, so don't worry. But I want, I want you to think. I'm not going to tell you. I want you to think. Do you think he has a shark head and a dude body? Or is it a merman shark kind of situation with a dude head and a shark lower part. Go see for yourself. Head on over to Instagram. It's there. You'll love it. But back to Kama'ahale. According to the legend, Kama'ahale taught the goddess Pele, the goddess of volcanoes, how to surf, thus becoming the first person slash goddess to do so. She then taught her younger sister slash goddess Hi'iaka how to surf. And then... Only then were men taught how to surf. So, it was ladies first, then men followed after. And to quote Lauren Hill, the author of The Abundant Roots of Women Surfing, in fact, historians of ancient Polynesia and specifically Hawaii acknowledged that it was women, both mythical and real, who seemed to stand in the highest regard for their skill, grace, and poise as surfers. Woven deep into the chants and lore of our surfing culture's roots are the stories of revered women who rode waves with the utmost grace and athleticism. When I look for topics, it usually starts out with a Google search like cool history from such and such a place or weird history from blah 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 or cool people that you should know about but you don't actually know about because your history teacher sucked <laughs> just kidding not not that last one but this topic was sent to me by a listener of the podcast and voted on by you my lovely friend when this gem of a listener sent the article to me i was immediately hooked and was like Surfing Medicine of Hawaii, sign me up. I honestly thought that we were going to talk about women healers who surfed around to get to their patients, which sounds super rad. However, upon actually researching this topic, I found out that it was, that was not the case at all, like even a little bit. And it was actually much cooler. You see, surfing itself is the medicine and women, all Hawaiian women, are the keepers of that medicine. Surfing is often called the king of sports, but that's not right at all. Women, from the goddess Pele to the legend of the great surfing princess Kilea, women were the ones prescribing surfing as the cure to a sickness and a broken heart and even death. And I'd like to tell you about those stories now. This is the story of Hiyaka, the goddess of hula, chanting, and medicine. Hiyaka was charged by Pele to a very dangerous journey through the islands of Hawaii to find Pele's favorite chief. Since Pele left him, he had gone missing and was presumed dead due to grief at Pele's absence. Hiyaka traveled far and wide and finally found the chief. She was heartbroken to know that he had indeed died, and was being buried. 
But Hiiaka sang and chanted over and over again until finally life came back into him. But this was only temporary. Hiiaka knew that the only way to permanently resurrect him was to take him surfing. And so they did. They got on their boards with the chief barely able to stand. But with each passing wave, he grew stronger and stronger, finally coming back to life. This is just one of the many stories where surfing has brought people back from the dead. There were also several legends of people using surfing as a way to heal their souls and keep depression at bay, such as the story of Princess Kelea. The legend of the great surfing Princess Kelea comes from circa 1445. Princess Kelea was an actual person, and there's pictures of her, which it's going to be on Instagram, you know, you already know. And Princess Kelea was known as the best surfer on Maui among both men and women. But one day, an Oahu chief stole her away when he saw her beauty amongst the waves. He was intoxicated by her great skill and notoriety and thought that she would bring all of that goodness to his clan with her surfing prowess. So he kidnaps the princess, and Kalea eventually marries his cousin, who is a high-ranking chief, and was forcibly moved to their village in the uplands of Oahu. She wasn't allowed to see her family in Maui or even surf, and that was the thing that almost killed her. Kalea birthed four children there, but was incredibly depressed and lacked the youth and spark that she once had when she was surfing. She eventually longed so deeply for the surf that she escaped and left her family to be with the ocean once again. In the dead of night, she fled the village and she finally did it. She escaped and returned to the ocean and rode a sweeping south swell and she suddenly came across another surfer, her former love interest, Kalamakua. He wrapped his cape around her as she stepped ashore, symbolic of the unity of marriage. They got married soon after, and she gave birth to their child, who was known as the most beautiful woman in all the islands. She escaped her kidnappers and had a happy ending, and she was able to do so because of her love of the sea and the surf. These are just two of the numerous stories of women saving themselves and others but many of them have been lost to time and the ravages of colonizers. And we don't really have time to get into it today, but I'm sure you know that whenever white missionaries go anywhere, indigenous populations suffer. But I want to make it as clear as possible, and I think Lisa Hunter says it best in the book, Surfing, Sex, Genders, and Sexualities. The significance of females in surfing history may be all but lost in modern history and practice, but... It is captured in the oral histories of surfing goddesses, chiefesses, priestesses, and shapeshifters. We have come to our final thought, friend. And it's not really directly related to surfing at all, but I think it's important and definitely a good final thought for us today since our topic got a little off the rails. Uh, we might as well have an off-topic final thought. 
And I want to share with you today two organizations that support and maintain indigenous Hawaiian communities and traditions. These two organizations are the Hawaii Pacific Foundation and the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm just going to read off their bios because they explain themselves better than I ever could. So here it goes. The mission of the Hawaii Pacific Foundation is to empower Native Hawaiian communities by supporting programs that improve access to opportunities for success that principally serve Native Hawaiians. We further our purpose by advancing education, primarily through science, technology, engineering, arts, math, and mathematics, also known as STEM, education, and preserving cultural values and practices to inspire hope, strength, families, foster learning, cultivate leadership, and develop stewardship. Now on to the Hawaii People's Fund. The Hawaii People's Fund has helped to support, build capacity, and amplify the impact of grassroots social change movements in Hawaii since 1972. No other organization specifically addresses the needs of grassroots progressive movement building in Hawaii. As the only intermediary organization in Hawaii working with this constituency from a social justice perspective, we strive to be a model for progressive social change and a viable resource for a strong and enduring movement in the islands. If you want any more information about these two organizations or you feel so inclined to support by donating or spread awareness by sending their links to someone or anything, following them on Instagram or social medias, I will leave all of their links in the show notes to this episode. Well, my sweet friend, that is all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm I'm sorry if it's not really what you were expecting. It's it's also not really what I was expecting, but I like the way it turned out. I really enjoyed it. And any pictures I mentioned today can be found on Instagram at For the Love of History Podcast. Link to that is in the show notes. And if you'd like to support the podcast more, you can always join Patreon or leave a review. And you know my DMs are always open for questions, comments, and compliments. Wink, wink. Never shy away from a good compliment. And speaking of Instagram, if you head over there this weekend, we will be voting on the next round of topics. So go check that out if you want to have a say in what we talk about next. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got for you. I'll see you later. Take care of yourself. Drink your water. Give yourself a hug. Pet a dog if you see one. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>